This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. A fabulous, fantastic, amazing Thursday to you. I hope that you're having a wonderful day. Children went back to school. You went back to work. Maybe you're still on holiday. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Well, welcome to Voice of Change with myself, Lauren Jacobs. It's going to be a wonderful show today as I'm going to be talking about some very difficult topics which we like to talk about here on Voice of Change, but of course, very, very necessary. Now, for those of you who truly have a heart, a deep heart for the persecuted church, you will know that the world watch list was released just yesterday 24 hours ago we got to glimpse for the first time what our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world are going through the huge increase in persecution and you know what sometimes these are just numbers but today on the show i really want to share with you that these are not just numbers these are people and people's lives these are not just people these are our spiritual family and we need to care about them we need to be praying for them and do what we can and so so joining me to unpack and uncover and discuss the world watch list you know I got it sent to me so I decided not to look at it until Elizabeth joined me from Open Door South Africa to talk through the list and to help us understand what these numbers mean and uh, we have the top 10 countries many of them in Africa and that I know for certain and so I want us just to take some time together today on the show to just reflect on this reality what our persecuted brothers and sisters are going through secondly on the show I'm joined once again by journalist and presenter radio presenter she's also been doing a lot on TV a lot in the media Rolene Marks joining me all the way from Israel again we last touched in with her two months ago around about the 20th or so around there of November while we were freshly just in shock about the events of October the 7th massacre in Israel and the hostages having been taken. Now, a lot has developed over the past two months. The world has gone crazy with regards to this. We've we've seen 100 days just this weekend of the hostages being taken and the grim reality of what's happening there. We have seen a lot of anti-Semitism, anti-Jewish rhetoric. We have seen churches standing up for Israel. We have seen protests, uh, you know, that have gone out of hand. We have seen Christians here gathered in Cape Town they got out of uh, out of hand when when other people came in and threatened violence and and we have seen so many things we've now seen South Africa what we discussed last week on Voice of Change with Benji Shulman of the South African Zionist Federation he gave us such a wonderful insight so such wisdom and he just gave it to us going this is what the case is going to look like from South Africa at the ICJ we spoke about that uh, on the day South Africa presented their case and so today checking in with Rolene on the feeling in Israel right now the feeling among the Jewish people do they know Christians love and support them do they know and realize that they are not alone in this continued fight against the darkness in this world so Rolene is going to be joining me later on on the show for the next hour this is where you want to be don't change the channel don't switch that app don't turn off that live stream because the voice of change is going to be awesome and so I'm going to be with Elizabeth chatting about the persecuted churches. What we are seeing straight after this.
It's so good to have Elizabeth back with me from Open Door South Africa and, you know, talking about the World Watch List. As I said to you all earlier on, that the list has just been published. I mean, it's about 24 hours old. So this is what we need to be talking about right now. It's the hit list. Sorry for the bad word there, but it literally is on what we need to know about persecution of Christians happening around the world. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me again. It's always so great to have you on the show and to be talking about this and to be reminding people of the persecution of Christians, the countries where this is happening and what we need to be doing about it. So welcome to the show today. Thank you very much, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Now, I would love to jump straight into it and ask you, what are we seeing over the past year when it comes to the persecution of Christians and the countries where this is happening? Have there been some surprises? Have there been increase? Uh, and how how is that looking right now? I wish I could give you some good news regarding that, Lauren, but unfortunately mm. it's quite a bleak picture as the persecution of Christians has risen, risen rapidly right across the world. Mm -hmm. You know, just to give you an idea, if I can look at some figures, last year the estimated amount of persecuted Christians in the world was 360 million. Mm -hmm. It went up with a full 5 million in a year's wow. time. It's 365 million this year. So, I mean, that's a big increase. Yeah, And then... Of course, one in seven Christians, this number represents one in seven Christians worldwide. And this is up from one in eight about three years ago. Now, in the World Watch List, top 50 countries alone, 317 million Christians face very high or extreme levels of persecution sure. and discrimination for their faith. So just to give you a further idea, if you look at the list, there's Except from the top 50, the list research has 78 countries on the whole list mm. with high levels of persecution. Number 1 to 13 has extreme levels of persecution. Number 14 to 57, very high levels. And 58 to 78, high levels. Now, that is the amount of countries that I mentioned here, the 78, is nearly double that wow. was on the list when it started about 31 years ago. It started with 40 countries then, and now it's 78. Hmm. And you ask if they're surprising things. Well, um, the persecution in sub-Saharan Africa has risen tremendously. The hmm. trend is climbing and climbing in sub-Saharan Africa. I can maybe give you some more numbers just... Yeah. Um, worldwide, a total of 4,998 Christians worldwide were killed in faith-related attacks wow. during the past year. And it might be much more because many go unreported. Mm. There was seven-fold increase in attacks on churches, Christian schools, in hospitals. It was 2,110 in 2023 years here. It's 14,766. Wow. Christians beaten or threatened increased from 29,411 in 2023 to 42,849. Attacks on homes have risen with 371%. 
Christians forced out of their homes or into hiding have more than doubled the now standard 278,760. Isn't that shocking? shocking. Yeah. And then five out of the top countries on the list are in Africa, in sub-Saharan Africa. Mm. Um, mm. And the most surprising rise on the list as such is Nicaragua. Nicaragua has climbed with 20 positions. Mm. Last year it was in position number 50. This year it's in position number 30, 20 positions up. Wow. And um, the government represses religious freedom extremely there. So that's the main cause, you know, and mm. people are sentenced for many years in prison, stripped of their citizenship and other severe punishments if they caught that are Christians. Another country that I must mention is India. India mm -hmm. is at number 11 on the list. There's a ninefold increase in Christian fatalities in India, oh. from 17 last year to 160 this year. There's an extreme rise in attacks on churches and Christian schools, which is at 2,228,000 this year. And the number of Christian homes in India attacked in the reporting period was 91 last year. It doubled to, no, no sorry, two years ago. It doubled to 180 last year. And this year, it's up from 180 to 5,900. Wow. That's a huge, you know, while you're sharing this with me, I mean, I have goosebumps, but not in a good way. Because when yes. you think of a country like India, for example, now, I like sport, you know, cricket, and I've met a lot of people yes. that play sport in India. I've met a lot of women who do sport in India, and they talk about their country. And, you know, you see it almost as the way that it's brought across to you as well is that you see it as very, you know, like people are just enjoying themselves. This is not the case. This is not the case at all. And and a lot of South Africans travel to India, you know, in the same way exactly. that we travel to Thailand, which is one of the most unreached countries with, with the Bible, with Christianity. We go to these countries, we go visit, we go and experience whatever we experience there. Yet this is happening right there. I mean, this is a huge increase in India. And why is this happening in India specifically? What, what is the the factors that are happening there? Is it just uh, happening largely in, in rural areas? Is it uh, mindsets of people? Is it uh, government? Uh, what is actually happening there that's causing this to increase so much and Christians to now be in a very, very shaky situation in India? You know, it's worse in rural areas, but unfortunately it's in the cities and the bigger places as well. You know, mm. it's not just in the rural areas. Um, the epicenter of the search in violence and displacement has been the northeastern state of Manipur, where okay. hostilities between the majority Maitai and minority Cookie. I, I think I pronounce this wrong, Kuki, I don't know. Ethnic mm -hmm. groups erupted in May 2023. And then that escalated to much bigger persecution all over all the ethnic groups. Mm. Just that violence has left 160 Christians dead and thousands chased from their homes to find shelter elsewhere after they watched their homes burn down. So... I would say the main reason is ethnic violence. It started with ethnic mm. violence, but it wasn't limited to ethnic violence. Then the ethnic violence spread into religious violence and became an overall 
unruly situation as such. Mm. Now, the top 10 countries, do you want to give us the top 10? And and I just want to say that for many, many years, we saw North Korea holding number one position. Okay. I'm not sure. You know what? I have the world watch list with me on my email, but I didn't open it because I wanted to hear it from you first. So I have not opened it. I didn't, I didn't do any cheating. I wanted to hear it straight from you today on these top 10 countries. And of course, like I said, North Korea has always been up there dangling at number one position, then dropping to number two. Now, what are the top 10 countries where we see this intense persecution of Christians happening? Well, regarding the number one position, there's no surprises there. North Korea is once again in the number one spot this year. Um, North Korea has been in the number one spot for, I think, 21 years, if I remember correctly. Mm. Then one year, it dropped to number two when Afghanistan was in the number one spot. And then last year, it was back in number one. And this year, again, so I think it's about the Mm. 23rd year out of the 30 years of reporting of the list that North Korea has been in the number one spot. And Christians are forced here to practice their faith in complete secrecy. You know, if somebody's caught that they're a Christian in North Korea, they are either immediately killed or Mm. they are sent to a prison camp where they have to do hard labor Mm. and endure all kinds of difficult things and abuse for the rest of their life. So it's really, really bad. And you have to be so much under the radar if you're a Christian. And of course, mm. many of Christians in North Korea, or I, yeah, many is probably not the right word, but some of them managed to flee mm. over the border into neighboring countries. And then they, like in countries like China or South Korea, for example, open doors, then have safe houses where we help them to start a new life as such. But wow. there's an estimated 400,000 Christians in North Korea that live undercover. Wow. In the second position, it's also the same as last year, Somalia. Then in the third position, it's Libya. Fourth is Eritrea. All three, number two, three, and four in Africa. Ne? Mm. Then Yemen is in the fifth position. Yemen is also a country where the Christians has to be, well, extremely careful, you know, because mm. they have to live in secrecy so, so much. Then the sixth position, I want to stand still with that one a bit, is Nigeria. Nigeria Mm. is in the division for the most violent persecution. Nigeria tops the list every single year. It's the most violent country for Christians to be persecuted in the world. But Nigeria is in the sixth position this year. It also climbed a bit from last year. Um, And... uh, Persecution in Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa has actually started in Nigeria. It's most extreme in Nigeria, where militants from organizations like Fulani, Boko Haram, Islamic Mm. State, West Africa province, or ISWAP as they known, and others conduct raids on Christian communities. They kill people Mm. by maiming them, by raping them, by kidnapping them for ransom or sexual slavery. And so I can go on and on, you know. Mm. But the violence against Christians in Nigeria has reached terribly high levels this year. More Mm. than 82% of Christians killed across the globe for five reasons were in Nigeria and faith-related killings in sub-Saharan Africa far outstripped those of any other region on the annual list. And this has been trained for several years now. 
Now, in the previous years, Nigeria accounted for about nine out of every 10 religiously motivated killings in Africa's World Watch mm. List countries. Isn't that shocking, eh? Then yeah. other African countries who's also high with Nigeria are like Ethiopia, Burkina Faso, and Central African Republic, for example. Yeah. Then, okay, let's go on with the top 10. Then after Nigeria in the seventh position is Pakistan. Then mm -hmm. it's Sudan in eighth position. Number nine is Iran. And number 10 is Afghanistan. Mm. Uh, now, people mustn't make the mistake to think Afghanistan has dropped the position because the persecution is better. Yeah. In fact, it's worse. But the Christians live so well hidden that it's very difficult to determine the research there mm. and find them to do the research. You know, so, mm. so it's a bleak picture. And then with, with these 10 countries, also in the extreme section, is India in number 11, Syria in number 12, and Saudi Arabia in number 13. Mm. Sure. You know, it's uh, we, we keep saying it as well. These are countries that, that are in Africa. Many, many of them. The continent that we live in, that we call home, and that many of us go out as missionaries too. I mean, I've been, you know, on missions trips into West Africa without even thinking, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, you go and I, and it's just, it's, it kind of is very important for us to take this seriously, which brings me, Elizabeth, to the question I consistently ask you whenever we meet. And I will consistently continue to ask this question because I believe people need to hear it. What can we do? As people who live in a free society, we are blessed right now. That may not always be the case for us, and we need to realize that. But as as people who are listening, what can we do for our persecuted brothers and sisters? You know, Lauren, probably the easiest way to get involved is to support Open Doors case and while we work leave the plight of the persecuted church while we work with our mm. brothers and sisters in the persecuted church. You know, if we ask them, what can we do for you? Their first answer is, please pray for us. Yeah. So I would say the most important thing to do is pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters. People don't realize what the impact it has, mm. you know, what a powerful thing prayer is. Then they can also get involved with Open Doors in other ways, like, for instance, they can travel with us to the persecuted church mm. where you will visit persecuted Christians have the opportunity to hold their hand while you pray with them. Then they can get involved on a financial level. And it doesn't need to be like a huge financial donation as such. This you can Every drop in the bucket helps. You, know? you can even get involved with small amounts. Every little bit helps then people can become volunteers for Open Doors. That's also a very nice way of becoming involved. Another way is invite our volunteers and our church, re church representatives to come and speak at your church, at your congregation on a Sunday at the service. Hmm. That is now a wonderful way to do. Tell the congregation about Open Doors work and what we are about and to create awareness of our work, you know. So there's so many ways. I would suggest people must visit our website at www.opendoors.org, www.opendoors.org. And then you can go there and select how to get involved, and then it goes in detail about all those options that I mentioned. Thank you so much. Options. Options and options, more options. And, of course, yeah. we always say pray. 
prayer is not our last resort. It should be our first resort. And it's not the, exactly. it shouldn't exactly. be a thing of going, oh, the least I can do is pray. No, the most we can do sometimes is pray. We underestimate that we are praying to a living God. Elizabeth, I want to say thank you so much for being yeah. with me today. I know we are wrapping up and we've got less than a minute left, but I want to say <laughs> thank you so much for being with me today. It's always great to catch up with you. Thank you for being a voice to us today and reminding us of the plight of the persecuted church. So thank you so much. Thank you very much, Lauren. Have a blessed day. You too. It's so great to be with Rolene Marks again, joining us from Israel. And we last touched in two months ago. The time went so quickly. And I love catching up with Rolene just to let us know what is happening in, in Israel. But also for her personally, so involved in the South African community and in different organizations and areas. So really keeping her hands and her ears busy with what is happening. And of course, we've had so much stuff going on. We have had of course something we dealt with last week when we caught up with Benji Shulman when we spoke about what was happening to the ICJ with South Africa's case against Israel of course we have different things even in the sporting world with David Tiger in the under 19 World Cup being removed from being captain which is something that's still ongoing something the public feel very strongly about and then of course this past weekend marking 100 days since the hostages were taken into Gaza and us really, really wanting them to come home now. Rolene, it's so good to be with you again. And how are you doing? I'm sure the listeners are getting used to your voice and also used to hearing from you. And we would just love to know before we chat about all these things and more, how are you doing? How are your family? And how is the feeling in Israel at this time? Well, first of all, I'm delighted to speak to you again. I, I think for, for many of us, you know, we are still in shock. We are still in, mm. in grief. And I think we will be for a very long time. So it's it's very much moment to moment. Uh, my family, thank goodness, are, are safe in Modi Inn. Unfortunately, we were woken up on New Year's Eve with a rude barrage of rockets mm. fired from the Gaza Strip. They are still firing rockets at Israeli civilians. Yesterday, a massive barrage of 50 rockets fired towards communities in the south. So we're still undergoing that. And of course, our, our main concern right now are the hostages, mm. over 130 hostages, uh, 19 of them women. We are very very worried about the situation for for female mm. hostages we know that some of them have been sexually abused we saw what happened to Naama Levy mm. uh, as she was taken hostage by Hamas terrorists into those terror dungeons and we are very very concerned for our, our hostages their safety uh, the situation for women, uh, of course, our eldest hostage is 85 years old. Our youngest, Kfir Bibas, turns one tomorrow. Mm. Uh, it's absolutely unfathomable. It, it, it's absolutely horrific. And, of course, now we have the South African element, which is really furthering um, the, the the flames of concern. Mm. And uh, just to touch on the hostages, I don't think people realize the intensity of the situation. Like you said, sexual violence, sexual abuse, uh, rape as a weapon of war, uh, which it is. And, and rape has been weaponized, uh, you know, throughout the centuries. We've seen this 
all over. We see it in Congo on a daily basis, but we've seen it here with Hamas as well. And we know that this is a huge concern and there is a concern and this does happen in in situations where when there's rape and and sexual violence, there's concerns of pregnancy, illness, and that must be a huge concern as well. I mean, that's a, a very deep trauma that uh, could potentially be experienced by one or more of the hostages that now are still being held in Gaza. Well, funny, you you should mention that we had word this morning from Kibbutz Be'eri that Yossi Sharabi and Itash Fersky have been murdered in captivity by Hamas mm. terrorists. And we also have the medical fraternity in Israel preparing, and it's not a confirmation, but preparing for the inevitability of some of our hostages, female hostages, being pregnant mm. and, uh, you know, having to make the medical allowances uh, how to deal with that. Um, mm. I, I think no matter where you sit on issues of abortion, I think anyone understands the enormous trauma of being raped by a terrorist and the possibility of being pregnant. Mm. You know, I think of when I was was so blessed to go and see it was such a long time. Santa's story. Did you ever see it on at the theater? Rolene was performed by her daughter, Aviva, Aviva Pelham. And I remember watching uh, Santa's story, obviously Aviva telling her mother's story through theater. And I remember actually going with, with Liz, with Liz Campbell to the theater and at the few guard and going to see the story. And obviously Santa living through, you know, the Holocaust world, world war two and, and part of her story that was shared that night, and even so many years later, I think it was 10 years ago that I saw it, so many years later, it still impacted me because uh, Aviva's mom, Santa, was was raped by a German soldier and fell pregnant. And what actually happened, and she tells that in the story of her life, uh, Santa even wrote a, wrote a book about her life. And, you know, the the reality of that, the the, re- the reality that this has happened throughout the years and um it happened it happened in world war 2 as well this is something that we have to wrap our minds around and and what do we do and sure i think Rolene, that must be incredibly traumatic uh, for you if you are a hostage and maybe that is your situation and you're still held in captivity that must be really really traumatic and i i, I just cannot i just really urge people to consider that the hostages are still being held and there are multiple realities that they are facing and we need to continue to advocate, pray and work towards bringing them home. And Raleene, the other thing, of course, that you mentioned is South Africa bringing a case, you know, to the ICJ and a lot of specialists, advocates, professors have been saying that they feel and believe, based on what South Africa shared, that they failed to prove genocide in Gaza. Now, what have you been experiencing, hearing, understanding about this whole case that has gone forward? And of course, I'm sure you watched everything and we listened as well to Israel giving their side as well. So give us some insight into that. Well, uh, first of all, I, I thought that the South African legal team turned the court into a circus 
by wearing scarves. Uh, we could see that they were engaged in political posturing rather than respecting the court of law. But I think that was the intention. <laughs> I think the intention wasn't so much to, to argue legally because the case was blown out of the water by the Israeli defense team. But uh, they were there to make a political statement. Uh, and I just want to address the listeners for a second, because I know that many of the numbers, the optics, everything coming out of Gaza is deeply upsetting. It's deeply upsetting for us as well. And nobody is more acutely aware of suffering in Gaza than Israelis. But we can't forget how this war started, something that the South African legal team omitted to even mention uh, as they made their case. Now, it's very important to understand that genocide is not about numbers. And we are engaged in a war and war is horrific. Mm. And it's the innocents that are always going to pay a horrific, horrific price. Genocide is about intention. And the Israeli legal team demonstrated brilliantly how we are genocide of, of Palestinian civilians is, is the furthest thing. Sorry. Is the furthest thing from our from our mind. Genocide mm -hmm. is the furthest thing from our mind. In fact, uh, not only do we go out of our way to ensure the safety of civilians, putting our soldiers at risk. But we also have a team that is specifically dedicated to um, ensuring the safety of civilians. Um, but I think as we, we have seen, uh, South Africa's trajectory throughout this war is that um, they are sympathetic towards Hamas, they are sympathetic towards the Iranians, who are the proxy sponsors of Hamas. We've seen this demonstrated through uh, meetings with uh, the Ayatollah al-Khamenei by Foreign Minister Pandor, the phone call to Haniyeh and the hosting of delegations. So there's definitely, uh, to my mind, a, a, a political capturing over there. Uh, and South Africans should be asking the question, what kind of government do you want? Now, the South African legal team regard themselves as the moral conscience of the world, but it was demonstrated quite clearly that not only were their facts incorrect, but that they had also misled the court uh, when it came to issues of dispute and, and jurisdiction. So, you know, what is the intention there? Mm. And um, from... The media crowing on Thursday and legal uh, or lawmakers or law opinion makers in South Africa also puffed up and uh, confident on Thursday. They didn't look so confident on Friday after the Israeli team uh, very, very forensically, methodically and even quite dry because it is a court of law yeah. uh, made their case. Mm -hmm. And it's it's so important that, uh, you know, we understand what was actually really happening there. And sure, a lot has come out after after this. And and now, as we are reminded, it can take years, you know, to reach an end conclusion here. And uh, we've just got to we've just got to keep on realizing that 
you know, again, World War II, the allies who came and were fighting against Nazi Germany, there were so many millions of civilians that also unfortunately got caught up in, in, in this war and unfortunately lost their lives. And like you said, it's about intention as well. You know, the intention is not for, for there to be genocide. And again, Rolene, there's numbers coming out of Gaza that have been released on how many civilians have been uh, killed, uh, you know, by Israel, by the IDF. Can we trust those numbers, though? Have they been verified? And, you know, when we are hearing these these huge numbers, do we trust them or do we have to hold back a little bit and go, are these truthful recordings? Well, I think we always need to look at the source. And the source is the Hamas-controlled health ministry, uh, and we can't forget that this is the same Hamas who on the 17th of October said that Israel had bombed the Al-Ali hospital and mm. 500 people were killed. I mean, they've got the fastest counting system you know, in the history of counting. Mm. But we later found out that it was not Israel. It, in fact, was an errant rocket by Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which landed in the parking lot of the Al-Ali compound, and maybe two dozen people were killed. So we can't trust those numbers, and we don't have independent verification. And as our legal team explained, we don't know who are combatants versus civilians. We know that Hamas uh, fighters hide in their civilian infrastructure and amongst their civilians, using them as human shields and dressed effectively as civilians. We know that Hamas routinely fire at civilians trying to get to the safe zones. So uh, we cannot trust Hamas's word there. And um, we don't have any independent verification about those numbers. So, yes, the, it, it, it's horrific and we should be upset and we should be devastated. But we should also remember something that Hamas, uh, the South African legal team, sorry, forgot when they made their case last week is how this started. And there is only one party in this war with the intention of genocide, and that is Hamas. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to to touch on something, Rolene, that I know uh, is is very important right now, especially in South Africa. I see it a lot of people talking about it as someone in the sports space, as somebody who um, is just seeing this conversation on social media as well. Uh, Cricket South Africa relieving, uh, you know, David Tiger of his captaining duty during the under nineteen ICC World Cup that's happening currently in South Africa, and them citing uh, from their media press release. Uh, CSA citing that, you know, concerns for his safety, concerns about, you know, what is happening and uh, for his safety and for the safety of the team and everybody involved, um, he's not going to be captaining, he's still going to be active part of the team. And uh, people being upset about that, social media being a light about that, but the South African Zionist Federation as well, having a meeting with Cricket South Africa uh, this week and also releasing a statement saying that uh, the the claims of safety issues turned out to not have any uh, evidence or factual evidence to to back this up. So what are your thoughts on this, Rolene? I know that you are involved with the South African Zionist Federation and many other organizations, and this has been a concern. 
we saw a tweet even by uh, Piers Morgan uh, saying about this actual issue, saying that he felt uh, personally, and he's not one to to ever mix words, which is good, um, but him saying himself, Piers Morgan, I mean, one of the biggest, loudest voices in journalism uh, and sensation, saying that he felt uh, that this was was really just disgusting what happened uh, to a young man who is a phenomenal cricket player but it's it is not about safety it is about race it is about ethnicity so give us your thoughts on that there is no question that david tiger has been made an example of that this is a witch hunt in fact one of the headlines in the times of israel today is that diodora announced that they are boycotting David Teague and Deodora, the sponsor of the team. So mm. this, to me, definitely looks like it is political uh, rather than concerns about safety because we don't have any proof on the veracity of threats made to him. And what about uh, players from other countries? I know that uh, Australian authority, uh, Australian uh, officials have expressed their concern. This has gone around the world for um, South Africa on the same day that Israel presented its counter case at the ICJ. And right now, South Africa is alienating itself in the yeah. international arena because it is looking like a country that aligns itself with terrorists and pariah states, um, singles out young Jews for their beliefs, which is uh, contrary, <coughs> excuse me, to the Constitution of South Africa, which supports the freedom of speech. And also this other uh, ludicrous notion brought forward by Vickers van Rensburg attorneys that now South African attorneys are going to sue the United Kingdom and the USA for being what they call complicit in Israeli war crimes is turning South Africa into the laughing stock of the world. And the rainbow nation once lauded for its ability to engage in conflict resolution and move from its dark past into democracy is now taking itself right back to pariah status again. Yeah, and one wonders, Rolene, uh, do you have any insight into, I mean, we are talking, I mean, David Tiger is a young man. I think of his family as well. It must be very hard for you to go onto the field and, and do your best. He is such a phenomenal player. He has been for many years. He has a lot of support to actually go onto the field, do your best in a World Cup, under-19 World Cup, having this on your mind as well, and it must affect you in, in some way. And knowing that uh, this is, if I'm being made an example of what is happening around me, what am I going to be doing in the future? What do I need to be looking at? And, you know, how does this affect me and my family in South Africa now? And we also can't forget that uh, David Tiger was standing up for hostages who are being held by a terrorist organization. Yeah. That's what he, he stated quite uh, uh, plainly, is that, you know, he, his support of the, um, uh, of the IDF, he says, was specifically, specifically for um, uh, their efforts to free the hostages. Yeah. We haven't heard anything, anything from the South African government or any authorities in South Africa calling for the immediate release of our hostages. Uh, it's absolutely appalling. And instead, they are making an example of a young man 
whose only crime was to express uh, his opinion and his belief in a country where one of the, the lawyers arguing the case for South Africa at the ICJ is somebody who advocates the right to say, kill the Boer, which to me is calling for the genocide of South African farmers. Mm. Such an important point that you're making there, Erlene. And and like you said earlier on as well, South Africa uh, seem seemingly isolating themselves, not forgetting that one of our economists a couple of days ago said that since the South African government announced that they stand with Hamas through their actions, they don't even have to make a public statement, but the actions are proving this, that investments are being withdrawn from South Africa at a radical pace. I mean, over 1.4 trillion already being lost in investments, withdrawn from South Africa, and a more will follow uh, from from the West. And what will happen is that the South African citizens will be the ones who feel that 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 reality of how the economy is affected and will be affected. Unfortunately, lots of talk about how much the leadership of this country is gaining, but the citizens will not be. And uh, this is the reality we need to be facing. Like you said, South Africa isolating herself, uh, the leaders isolating themselves. And again, though, you know, as we come to the end of this conversation, South Africans, large majority of them are saying, please, just like what we've seen with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, please note that this is not all of our feelings, that what we see happening does not express the voice of of the public, but what we see happening expressing the voice of South African leaders and not public opinion. And I think that that's something that a lot of South Africans want to get across and want other people to know this is not necessarily how we feel. And and we, we don't want people or even Israel, the Jewish people, to think we are against them. And the hope is that that realization is met. And and we certainly do hope that way, Renine. Well, I have received some of the most phenomenal messages from people all across South Africa, uh, from from a variety of religions and uh, groups. I know the people of South Africa are standing with the people of Israel in our just war against terrorist organization Hamas. And I know I have every faith in the people of South Africa uh, who have been very, very, very vocal and very, very, very proud to stand in solidarity. And South Africans, this is your year to make a difference in your country. Take it to the polls, because that is the only mm. language that those who align themselves with tyrants, terrorists, and the supporters of genocide understand. This is your year, South Africa. This is your year to take back your country and once again stand proud in the family of nations. Mm, amen and amen to that. You know, my husband and I were talking about the voting. We were talking about just uh, yesterday, you know, already thinking, you know, it's coming soon. <laughs> we, we need to do something about it. And and the urging of our youth to get out there and vote as well, because in the last elections, uh, you know, 
the youth just didn't turn up because they just feel like, I don't, what difference does my vote make? They also feel disillusioned. Uh, but if the young people stand up and go, yes, we will do something about it. We don't have to be disillusioned. Let's take it into our hands. Let's go do what we're going to do. Uh, we could see a great turnaround. And Raleen, thank you for reminding us of this truth as well today. Thank you for being a voice. Thank you for sharing your time with me today and for sharing some insight on on what is happening in Israel, how everyone is is doing and feeding, and we are keeping you all in our prayers consistently as well as the hostages. And we are hoping that there will be there will be good news on that front, hopefully soon. So Raleen, thank you so much for being with me today. It's only a pleasure. Happy to talk to you and your listeners anytime. Thank you so much, Raleen, and take care. It's a pleasure, honey. Thank you so much to Rolene and Elizabeth for joining me on Voice of Change today. I know that we have a lot to think about after the show. Uh, impactful, challenging, insightful, powerful. Uh, just a few of the words that I want to use. Uh, and, and just I'm filled with gratitude today. Even though these are heavy topics, it's topics that are realities, but also that can inspire us, you and me, to be people of action, people of change, whatever that looks like. And recently I had someone say to me, you know, the least we can do is pray about things. I think the most we can do is pray. And I know I'm guilty of that too, where it's the sense that we as people, we want to do more, you know, like, come on, we want to be active. And as an active person, uh, you know, as someone who is active and takes action and gets involved and, you know, is at that thing and does that thing and raises their voice that's that's what I want to do you know faith without works it's dead works but the most we can do often the action that we can take is prayer and that sometimes seems the hardest because it's almost a vulnerability in our human nature to be to be going okay God I'm actually giving this over to you to take the action I'm not going to take the action and so today let us take the action together of praying of praying for the purest persecuted and also praying for what's happening in Israel right now you know we heard from Rolene that rockets are flying every single day modern media doesn't want to tell us that we're telling you this today from the ground not any anything else but truth and so I want us to take that on board today and say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to consistently pray for Israel, the Jewish people, and for God's will. And brothers and sisters, I also want to ask you today that we consider the prayer that we need to be praying for our own nation. However the Holy Spirit leads you, whatever God is saying to you, however you need to pray right now, pray in accordance with His will and His divine guidance. That is how you need to be praying today. We can often want to pray our own will into things, but let's pray as God wants us to for the country where we live and also that we will rise up in faith and be people of action and that we will have integrity and truth and righteousness. And let us be a voice of change because it's not about only being the change. We're going to make the change that we want to see in the world. And so it's been so great to be with you here on Voice of Change today to share this small moment, this small amount of time with you to challenge you. And hopefully you have been challenged today. And I just want to send you all the love and blessings of our Lord Jesus Christ today. Know that he is with you, that he is keeping you safe. He's with your family. He loves you. And he wants to make his peace be resident in your heart. And so today be blessed. And I can't wait to be with you again next week. Until then, as always, as I always say, blessings of shalom, goodness, wholeness, peace, and joy to you and your family. Until next week, take care.
This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.